Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.21. Uh, we had to talk a little basketball. We didn't talk about the team. We talked about the program, and then we talked about the defense for next year, the football defense. So you will be pleased with that segment. To the MGO Blog Podcast. This is the off season, except for hockey, because we're not going to talk about the basketball. There's two we'll games have, we'll left have, at this point. There's we'll a game to, tonight, and we're we're doing a podcast now before the game. We'll probably have to talk about it at the end of the season. Yes, we will. I think there is one notable development that we do have to talk about, and that is the athletic article describing Sanderson's departure from the university. So we're actually talking about that now. Yeah, we got to. Okay, so. Right after you said we're not going to talk about it? We're not going to talk about the team. <laughs> we're not going to talk we're about the We're talk about the program? We're going to talk about the program. Okay. So you read this thing, and it is from Sanderson's perspective. But the fact that he got a settlement yeah. from the university, to me, is breaches your zero-tolerance policy for Juwan Howard. And it is unbelievable to me that he didn't get fired for that incident. I mean, I, I talked to people that were surprised that he actually didn't get fired for the Kravenhoff thing. The oh, the the Wisconsin thing. Yeah, I mean that. Well, that was like the first one. Sure. So then you put him on the like the zero tolerance. But policy. people that are connected to other people that I know had mentioned to me some things, and I never really thought about it that deeply. And and the person that told me was very like surprised. We'll put it that way. Well, I mean, the team is the worst team in the Big Ten. They, now that Ohio State has gone on a run, so yeah. now they're four games. They're did, four games back. Of did Ohio you see State. the standings? A friend of mine sent me this this morning. the 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 standings in the big in basketball, the bottom seven teams are all the Big Ten East teams in football. Oh, that's interesting. So the West's revenge is basketball. <laughs> but I mean, they're hideous defensively. They just gave up eighty six points to Rutgers. They have no future, like because this team is not a young team. It, you have Terrace Reed coming back. You have Will Cheddar coming back. You might have a COVID year for Terrence Williams. I think you're probably seeing Doug McDaniel's last days at Michigan, right? Like okay, but por- portal. The point is more. Like, who do you want back? Well, that, well, it's not even that. It's like okay, there's not even like a, a plausible story how they won't be awful next year. Like yeah, so this are, group of people. are they going to hit the portal? I mean, they that, have to. That hasn't they, welcome to college basketball. They, they will hit the portal, but you, you look at the teams that hit the portal very heavily last year, and there was a tweet out there about the teams that took seven or more transfers, and uh-huh. Michigan's going to be in that boat. And 12. they're all they're all like five hundred at best. Like yeah. none of them are like even tourney locks. So that's not a good way to one build a program because look like they're out the door the next year, and two to actually have a good year. So there is literally no case you can make that for Juwan Howard to be the basketball coach here next year because if he has a bad year next year, he's going to get fired. 
And there's no way he doesn't have a bad year next year. Putting everything else aside, putting yeah. like chasing just Sa- on court stuff, just on court stuff. You know, chasing Sanderson out of the program, repeatedly being a weird and creepy guy. Like he told Mark Turgeon he was going to kill him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that part. No, yeah, no, that was before the Wisconsin thing. Yeah, and like like the pattern. He was gonna kill him. He, 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 he was he was screaming he's at him. Probably at like or something. I'm going to kill like you. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, right. But yeah, like, but, but like, probably not the proper choice of words in the, the time like the the sanderson thing was at least the third and i think probably the fourth incident where you're just like i don't think this guy has the temperament the other thing is i like i've heard similar stories to things that were mentioned in the article from like different people connected to the program so like you you mentioned this is from sanderson's perspective which is a really good point but to me if you're hearing that from a number of different sources, there's probably some bit of truth to it at least. Right. And I I just can't – like people are saying that, you know, he's probably going to – Word Manual is probably going to bring Jawan Howard back. And I just – there's no possible way that that's You're not a gonna, reasonable They're not going to fill your roster next year with Jawan Howard. He didn't fill the roster this year. Where were we? Two <laughs> two scholarships. two scholarships open right now. Well, the Lee Elia thing is actually not his fault. That's, that's, that's yeah. Blaze that's through. one. Okay. I understand that, <laughs> but there's a lot of teams that aren't running with full rosters, right? Yeah, could be. Um, and like, it's it's so over. Like, you can't be a good basketball coach and have like the number 188 defense in America. And this happened even before they were like checked out. Like the Long Beach State game was yeah. like a yeah. thing that happened. So I, I just I mean, like, last year was a thing that happened. Last year, when his son was the doesn't play defense prima donna one and done, the third time we've had a five star one and done who's just a G League level player in college who was just like soaking up minutes at the wing and not playing defense or not like well, really, it's like not not really changing the math for the for the team. You live with that stuff in different sports because you think, okay, we'll take the not as great year because then we're going to get the better year and then we're going to get the good year. But in basketball, that's not necessarily how it works. I mean, we've noticed in hockey, you see guys that are, okay, they're not exactly what we want them to be, but the jump the next year. I mean, McGrory and Brindley are perfect examples where they play last year and they're good. This year, they're really good, generally speaking. And in basketball, like what you were saying, Seth, like that's happened to Michigan plural times now, but you only get the subpar year. Yeah. Well, and the roster con- construction has been abominable. Like you have two guards on this roster. Yeah. And one of them is coming off an ACL tear. And I know you tried to get – And he wasn't like – Caleb Love, but it's year five here. But he wasn't like setting the world – I mean, Wellen wasn't setting the world on fire no, it's, last year. Yeah, either. it's fine, but he's a he's a guard. I mean, I'm just <laughs> – And they only brought him back after they – Llewellyn was probably going to be done before they well, looked around and they said, oh, we have Namari Burnett and but, Doug, and that's it. In any case, you can say, like, okay, Terrence Shannon should have been here. Caleb Love is year five. Like, you got to know that Michigan's admissions is an issue, and you got to, like, be prepared and check with admissions if this guy's going to get in. And I heard from someone that they looked at his transcript, and there was a 0% chance yep. that he was going to get in. Yep. And Same. that is – I'm frustrated by that yeah. as a Michigan fan, but also it's year five. That's on you. Well, and the program teams have progressively gotten worse over the years. And that's that's the thing to me is like there's no – obviously we talk about the portal and people leaving early. But there's no like progression, positive progression in 
the building of a program. I mean, or teams. you see a couple of guys taking steps forward. Doug's better than he was last year. Kind of. Kind of. Shedder's better than he was last year. Okay. So, but, but you, the problem is, is like you hated him last year. Well, yeah, but now he's. <laughs> but that's the guy okay. you're like. Hey, this guy is okay. Yeah, he's. If you were, if you were a good defensive team, you could hide him. And but that's like put it saying, well, we'll just put Keenan Draper in our top six. Like, no, that's well, not where he belongs. No, nobody here is arguing <laughs> that Juwan Howard should be retained, and honestly, retaining John Juwan Howard should be an immediate firing offense for Ward Manuel. Well, because there's no justification for it. And now he famously did not fire Jim Harbaugh. When everybody wanted Jim Harbaugh gone after 2020, and that was a different situation because Jim Harbaugh had like 15 years demonstrating he was a good bath, a good. He was also coach. like very good when he was here in his first few years, and right, there were yeah. reasons that things didn't work out. But in the first couple of years, he, but even his record, but in 15, 16, yeah. 18, I mean, he wins like 10 games. Well, and you, I mean, Ambry Thomas doesn't play that season. Deco Collins doesn't play it's that a fake season. season. It's a fake season. Like yeah. People can be right sometimes for the wrong reasons. I don't think that the reason Ward retained Harbaugh is because he knew better than everyone else right. that right. 2020 <laughs> just does not – it just should not exist. It, right. Right? <laughs> right? I mean his process is the same process. It's just like I don't want to do things. Right. So let's just not I think do there are things, things that, that Ward does well and he manages what? things. But – I, I mean, I can think you, that can it, you say something that he okay. has done. Well, I mean, so I've talked to several people that have mentioned things like he's really good with people and he's good at like managing non-revenue sports and keeping everybody afloat and, and that kind of thing. But making maybe hiring decisions for prominent positions and being out in front of stuff is not something that – Well, he's and, – And at Michigan, you don't get to fall back on like – like at Stanford, if you're like, well, we have a good field hockey, gymnastics, and water polo teams, that's great at Michigan. It's just that if that's all you have, that's not enough. Well, we've mentioned that he he hasn't actually made a hire, really, right? Because all of the decisions that he had to make were more or less made for him. So well, yeah. The timing, I, yeah, I know what you're the saying. The timing of Beeline's departure means that all the college coaches who are attractive have already been hired. Nate Oates gets hired by Alabama. Right. And so you're now you're kind of looking back at that one and going, mm. well, the, he he had just gotten hired by Alabama, right? Like, but that's one where you're like, no, oh, could have used him. Yeah, and that's uh, like a situation where you've got Juwan Howard out there as an NBA assistant, and then there's really nobody else that I was like, okay, this guy's better than Luke Yaklich. You, you didn't want Ed Cooley. I did not want Ed Cooley. Oh, God, yeah, I. Well, and then you you take the Mel Pearson. Fiasco, yeah. and yeah. then so he yeah. he doesn't really even hire Narado. He just runs out of time and has to make him the interim. And then they go to the Frozen Four with a one seed, so he basically hires himself. Um, and then the softball turnover is just like okay, Hutch gets to pick, yeah, and that went poorly. And that, but Hutch gets to pick, right? That's just the way that works. It, yeah, I mean, we can debate that a different time, I suppose. Well, that's the way it always works. But it's the easy well, thing to do. Enjoy poor softball, then. Well, you know. What are you going to do? And like he loses Bakic uh, and then he hires Tracy Smith, who's well an uninspiring. Replay. Maybe I, the thing with that is like I don't know. I mean, you look. I, I was talking to Alex, and he's like, "I was going to write a baseball preview," and I was like, "Okay." And he goes, "And then I didn't." And I was like, "Why not?" And he's like, uh, "Because they have forty six people on the roster, and about thirty of them I've never heard of before, and they're all either freshmen or transfers." And I was like. <laughs> That's that can be difficult for college baseball. Well, baseball, by the way, did beat UCLA and USC this week. Oh, just to say, 
Continue on, Seth. <sighs> what I was saying, Backich was a, you know, you you are not going to be able to, you, you should not be able to keep a guy like that at Michigan unless you just decide we are going to be the one Big Ten, which is basically saying you're the Mac, right? We're the one Big Ten school that is just going to go all out. But we have the most, we have the richest athletic department, and we had a baseball team <sighs> in the North. Yeah, I, yes, you're right. And there, I mean, that was a thing. We it's, had a baseball uh, team. It's, like you it's possible that when Clemson yeah. comes calling for Bucket, she's just never going to stay. Unless you like double what Clemson's going to pay. But, but in, in yeah. any case, yeah. like, it's not like a, a vote in his, his favor. And yeah. I'm just like so. I mean, well, even <clears throat> I mean, you can't really say. And then moving to, on from Harbaugh to Sharon, like there you could, there was no other options either. Right. Like Kalen DeBoer was the Kalen DeBoer gets picked off by Alabama. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right before Harbaugh goes to the league, and then Dan Lanning is not uh, pickable. He's, Probably not. So you're looking at college coaches, and you're like, oh, none of these guys are are compelling outside options, so let's just roll with Sharon Moore, which is the right decision, but it's also not a decision. Right. Right. So that's kind of how – that's his modus operandi. And I'm saying he, he didn't really do anything by retaining Harbaugh that was out of character for his process, which is just sit around and wait for it to happen. Right. And if this results in keeping Juwan Howard, I mean, interest in Michigan basketball next year is going to be an all-time low. And Well, I asked Craig, and I was like, all right, since I've sort of started watching Michigan basketball on a mostly consistent level, which I would say is somewhere around 2000-ish, I'd watched before but not follow game by game, this is easily the worst team. Oh, yeah. And then I started thinking back and looking at some records, and I said to him, I was like, this has got to be, like, one of the worst teams since you were in school. And he goes, oh, yeah. Like, without a pause right. at and all. There's no, there's so no you're looking prospect. at the mid-60s. You're, there's no prospect that this is going to turn around next I mean, year. they're not going to win 10 games. That's hard in college basketball, yeah. to not win 10 games. And it's not like the Big Ten is great. It's also not like they, there aren't, they didn't schedule teams that you could beat on the schedule. Like, but they lost at home to they, McNeese they ex- State, who is good, fine. <laughs> they have the number one strength of schedule in the country to Ken Palm, by the way. It's because they don't play themselves, Seth. <laughs> and the number one offense and, and the and the number one strength of schedule of offense faced because everyone gets to face them. Well, they just gave up eighty six points to Rutgers. Right. They also blew a seventeen point lead at home to Rutgers in the second half. So it doesn't even really matter because it it's and I thought at the time, I thought that was the worst basketball I've ever seen. Nope. And we're recording this before the Michigan-Ohio State game. So maybe things turn around. But Ohio State fired their coach. Maybe things turn around. <laughs> what does that State mean? fired a coach. That I had win a, nine? I had a star on, on Holtman on, uh, on, on the graphic that I put out. I had a star on him because we all thought he was a really good basketball coach who was just, you know, he missed on a couple of his guys. He had some similar roster construction problems that Juwan did, right? And Chris got fired because they won a bad run. They were going to be out of the tournament. And they say, look, season's dead. Let's move on and be first in line to find the next coach instead of whatever we're doing now, which is going to be either waiting to the end of the season or people get so mad that they have to fire him at the same time of the year that we fired that Beeline left, and we're in the same boat we were when we hired. No, Charm. I mean if he you gets just, fired, it's going to be after the end of the regular season. You just you just got to wait till Nebraska's done. Then your choice is made for you. Well, it's just like if he's not fired the instant the season's over, what are we doing? Um, so 
But in any case, let's stop talking about basketball. <laughs> I want to see how long it would go. Let's move you... on. That, uh, that's a that's a segment. So, Brian, you were saying that you watched a lot of the Combine. No. I, you said that. Yeah. I and I said, you're crazy. You, you I, I would rather watch paint dry. It's just it's just people running and they're not even in, in uniforms. It's you like, don't like watching skills? blue tank top is It's running. fun. Anything that's interesting is like, ah. Uh, I love watching. I could Twitter. watch 40 times. The gauntlet drill? You're, I could watch that all day. such a weirdo. I like sports. Yes, but that's not sports. There's, that's not sports? No, not no sports. this is the equivalent of watching somebody take like, you know, open like, their NCAA dynasty you and know what I practice wanted to the do? same play again like, and again I wanted to be again. a scout. You know that, right? Speaking like of not sports, we'd like to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demers, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, Human Element, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, Venue by 4M, where we are recording this, the Sklar Brothers, the Autograph Fandom Rewarded app, where you get points for doing things like listening to this podcast, and Champions Circle. I wonder if our, I'm going to get more uh, angry uh, sponsors that we put them at the end of a basketball well, no, segment, no, no, the only no, basketball segment. No, no. <laughs> Because now we're we're <laughs> transitioning to an NFL draft. I'm going to watch the draft this year. I usually don't watch the draft, but every time Michigan player gets drafted, it's going to be like, "Here's them dunking on Ohio State." And we, like, oh, I enjoyed that. And Alabama, and Alabama, and Washington, Michigan State. I'm going to see those throws against Cal Halliday, <laughs> who's very slow from JJ. And it seems like McCarthy is uh, being talked about in the same breath with Drake May and Caleb Williams at the top of the draft now. And he has not even had the all the player interviews yet, which he's, you know he's going to knock out of the he's park. He's done some. Like, he did some. He had to get yeah. the combine. So, and, you know, it's just uh, – it's fascinating because people who just look at stats on Twitter are like, oh, J.J. McCarthy is mid. And all the <laughs> film breakdown guys are like, do you see this thing that he did? And I'm like, I did. I charted that. It was good. I he's also it. a lot younger. Yeah, he's 21. Yeah. And Penix is like 25. Right. So there's – Penix is like 85. He sat behind an Indiana offensive line for three years. Well, in any case, like he's he's young. He's got a huge upside, and it makes sense that he's flying up draft boards because once you start breaking down the film, you're like, this guy can really sling the ball. And it would make sense for like a like a Vikings or a Seahawks team who has a, probably a starter for a year that he can sit behind because I don't know that you want him playing a ton his first year. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes like – didn't take over until late in his first season. And I think that for McCarthy in his progression, like that's not the worst thing either. Yeah. Especially if the offensive line isn't like A plus, you don't really need him going out and just getting that's, destroyed that's or something. That's a huge thing in the NFL that like you could take any quarterback prospect and you put him behind a bad offensive the line. Bears. And there you go. Yeah. And and like that's like, remember yeah. what Justin Fields looked like in college? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When he had like four years to throw. He was pretty good. Yeah. And uh, in any case, so the other guy who seems to be moving up is Mike Sainer still, of course. He runs in the four fours. Watch his gauntlet drill. That was pretty great. I did see that one because I was like, all right, it's Mikey. I'll watch Mike. Him and Terry and Arnold were pretty awesome. And uh, they're talking about him as the best nickel in the draft, which is obvious. 
<laughs> right? Like, have they heard about how much of a dude he is? Because he uh, well, is quite the dude. Did, did you hear the quote from one of the Washington receivers? I forget which yeah, one it was. Yeah, it was Millen. Yeah. yeah. He's like, this guy's pissing me off. Because he's, he's just calling out our plays and our routes. <laughs> oh, God, I love that. I love that. Because like, you knew it was going to draw all like the little haters who were like, oh, I know how they know it. Yeah. yeah. Like, Craig, oh. Craig's, like, Craig's like, oh, it must be because we were stealing their signs. And I was like, yes, it is, Craig. You are correct. That is how you learn to know these things. <laughs> is because you pick up on scouting tips. It was Mikey all along. <laughs> like, that was a game against Washington that Michigan was not scouting. Because, yeah, they, they might have scouted Alabama or or, or, or Georgia. You think on way. the flight home from the Rose Bowl, they weren't all on tablets all night? Looking no, no. What stuff. I'm saying is, like, the Connor Stallion stuff. Was yeah, like, yeah. That didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. And so it's, it's a wonderful validation of the fact that, yes, people can be smart about football without Connor Stallion stuff. And then um, I retweeted a Vance Bedford clip with Sam mm-hmm. where he's pointing out the, the tackle that Sainer still makes on third and four, I think, real early in the national championship game. Yeah, in the flat. Where he's like yes. gesturing to his other bros. Right, this right. is how we're going to – and Bedford uh, mentions that Texas tried to man that up and they got torched yeah. for a huge game. And so um, – that's the, that's my big worry about next year is that Mike Sainer still was like better than anyone understood, I, I, even though we all thought well, he was awesome. Right. I mean, I because I, I watched a lot of those and it was him and it was Rod Moore. So they, as long as they got Rod Moore back there, they're going to retain a lot of their ability to like point out what was going on back yeah. there and like put everybody because Moore was probably doing it more than Sainer still. Well, Sainer still was like always like this over here, this little bit over here. How perfect of a pickup Josh Wallace was because what do you need to succeed in this defense? You need to be able to do everything exactly right in a very complicated way. And of all the cornerback transfers on the market, I guarantee you he had the most experience. Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. he had more experience than – most people not even in the market, he, just he ran, in college football. He, he played in defenses that don't even exist. The the other thing of of note, I think uh, Alejandro retweeted um, Daniel Jeremiah, I think, with NFL Network, who said that he talked to an OL coach yeah. that had talked to almost every like recruit prospect at the Combine and said that the Michigan guys are like, two years ahead of everybody else in terms of maturity and understanding and just approach to the way that they're playing and what's going on. And like, that's just a credit to Harbaugh and the program of like, all right, Sharon Moore, the offensive line coach. Yeah. Well, but what I'm saying is like the program that was set up that, you know, for a while it was, Oh, you want to learn how to be a pro and you want to learn how to play football. You go to Alabama and Saban teaches you all that stuff. Well, Harbaugh's set up a pretty good program here across the board. Now, I mean, not just offensively, defensively, whatever. But you come in and you know what you're doing. And, and all these guys are mature and not just on the field but off the field. And I think that was one of the big keys of the takeaway of that quote. Yeah. Yeah. So between that and McMillan and then Sane were still uh, talking up Michigan as like the place you go to learn how to be an NFL player. You know, it feels like keeping Sharon Moore. Mm-hmm. It validates – Michigan's decision to do that, right? Oh, I mean, these quotes are going to be in front of a lot of recruits for a very long time. Right. Michigan can't be doing any recruiting right, right now because they're still like officially hiring their coaches. And Sam, I think, told us this uh, last week on WTK that background checks have been amped up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we don't have. Have you or have you ever been a vacuum refurbishment salesman? 
Um, right. Did, did you see CJ's yeah. uh, speed? Yeah, and Johnson tested out of this world too. It's six yeah. foot two mm-hmm. running the four fours. Yep. Like, but his top end speed was like third highest, I think, of the day. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me because I mean, I every every preview, I'm like, this is the year for Cornelius Johnson. And it never quite happened, but in the context of this team, he was what Michigan needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think pe- people who kind of downplay him, I mean, how many of those, like, J.J. McCarthy, I'm reaching the sideline bailouts, were to Cornelius Johnson? Well, the Ohio State catch back across the field. Well, the Alabama yeah. one that got reviewed. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, there was, he had a skill set, you know, and he wasn't. The guy who is catching 80 balls a year because he's not playing for Washington. But I think he's going to be a successful NFL player. I think he's going to have a role in the league for a He has a good time. chance. He's got the physical ability. He's been coached up, and he'll get some targets now. <laughs> You're allowed to have the ball thrown to you. <laughs> I, someone made a uh, comparison to Nico Collins for him, and every Michigan fan was like, he's not Nico. He's not Nico. He's not Nico. But, like... The one cop that does work is that Nico did not get enough passes thrown in oh, Michigan for you to tell what he's going to be. But every time <laughs> he does something in the NFL, people are tweeting at me being like, does this make you angry? And the answer is yes. So, yes, it does. <laughs> Corum ran a 4-5-2, I believe. Something like that, yeah. And I think in high school or early as Michigan career, it was like a 4-4-3, four, four, yeah. something like. And to me, that's really interesting because, you know, when we saw him, it was like, well, the 21 year was his sort of breakaway year, right? Where yeah. he'd get in space and you're like, oh, he's gone. And then heading into 22, he adds on all that muscle and just bulks up, sort of becomes a different style it of is, back. It is wild. But seeing... his speed has not dropped that much. I mean, it's a pretty significant drop. A tenth? Yeah, but that's a pretty significant that's, drop. That's getting caught from behind by yeah. a cornerback or not. But like, just but, looking but at Blake what you're, out of pads, but what it's you're, crazy. But what yeah. you're capable of doing... Like you're just because watching this guy run, you can, and you're like, "What is going on? What, is this a human being, or is this like a muscle?" It's it's I, one big ball. He, I mean, he turned muscle. himself into Mike Hart, is what he did. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, I was, and Mike Hart, but but, but like, but he was, I he he took on a different role on the team, and that's one of the other pieces that has been repeated. That's just such a validation of Michigan's players that. When you, they talk to these guys, like, hey, Cornelius Johnson, how come you weren't getting as many passes? Well, that wasn't what the team needed. Yeah. Blake Corm, why weren't you a speed back the rest of your college career? He's like, well, I was a speed back when Hassan Haskins was my partner. And when I was Donovan Edwards. I was yeah, the inside guy. I was the inside guy. And so yeah. I made myself into what the team needed. And that answer, and J.J. McCarthy's another guy yeah. who's been saying, I made myself what the team needed. And that answer is so much better than all the People talking about statistics, trying to you know denigrate these. But guys. you you want to play in the NFL and find a way on a roster? You better fit into one of the fifty three spots that they need because you don't have eighty five scholarships or one hundred and twenty total players or whatever it is. You have to do what you have to find a niche, yeah. Do it well, and then someone's going to pay you. Well, we talk, always talk about the NFL as if they are like perfect scouts, that the amount of time that they get to look at everybody and measure everybody, that they're going to make the right decisions. It's not true. We all know it's not true. Yeah. The NFL are football. It's, it's football guys, and they're trying to make football decisions based off of football guys. What is one thing that every football guy wants to hear? I will do whatever it takes for the team. Right. And that is a message that has been coming very loudly from every one of these Michigan prospects. Yeah. Trevor Keegan's another one who said it. Zach Zinner was talking about, you know, I 
turn. I, I stuck around because I wanted to like make sure the team. I didn't want to abandon the team and leave them when we had all these goals in front of us. Like subtweeting Cade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I even Eric All is saying nice things about like you know what what you had to do to become a Michigan player. Like and Eric All left miserable in a huff. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, take a break. Come back, and we're going to talk about the 2024 defense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or, under, or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Passion for e-commerce. Sell stuff online. Security. Performance. Conversion. Beautiful user experiences. Bella experience utilizator. Monthly marketing. PPC SEO. Make your user a customer. Conversion. Audio perfume for online retailers. Love your website. Let Human Elements show you how. Available at human-element.com and find department stores, not find department stores. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248-924-9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com.
music this week. Folks, uh, we recorded this at Venue. There is a bike summit meeting. There's a lovely open space where you guys can get your food and your drinks, and you can have an event. Birthday party. Briss. No, not a briss. You could do one here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd be for it. Have your briss at Venue. <laughs> All right. So as mentioned in the last podcast, Michigan escaped the portal period, losing only Keon Sab. So Michigan looks... Almost as loaded next year as they were this year, with the exception of the fact that they can't confidently roll out nine defensive lines. Well, you don't. You don't have. <laughs> you, won't, you won't have the extreme depth. We we only have the best defense in college football, yeah. not the first and the yeah, fourth. not the best two, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So defensive line, you're just looking at this and you're like, oh my god. So you have Derek Moore in what should be his blow up year. Yes. Top 50 recruit, really coming, going to get all the snaps, um, has flashed, has played very well so far. I think he was an 80 as a pass rusher in PFF as a and true he's, sophomore. And he's got dip, which is yeah. not something we've had. I mean, Raiden McGregor was great, but he was not the kind of guy who was going to put his shoulder around a guy. No, and he, he has like Ojabo upside this year. Yeah. You have Josiah Stewart, who came on in a big way after struggling a little bit to he start was, his mission. He career. was their best edge the probably at the last few games of the season, other than Iowa, which doesn't really count. The last Stewart scored higher than the rest of the defensive ends. The last half of his season was pretty good. Right, and yeah. he has he has a good background at, at Coastal Carolina, two years of very good play. So he's got he's probably not going to be as explosive as – he does not have as much upside as more, but in terms of like – Defensive end pairings, like this isn't going to be Hutchinson and Ojabo, but they could slot in number two. Yeah. Right? Uh, and then defensive tackle. <laughs> so <laughs> so they, they they probably will need at least another edge or two, though, right? I mean, and Craig has said that he's been reading about uh, Eto. Yeah, you know, Eto is the is – um, it was like last year's freshman who was like – there was no way he was going to play on last year's team. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is a, a Derek Moore-level athlete. The guy who uh, – the guy who I think is most likely to be in line for reasonable rotation snaps is TJ Guy. Yeah. Because um, he's been around a minute, and they've actually played him from time to time. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're talking about the two different sides. So Derek Moore's backup is going to be Etta or don't know. And then – Realistically, it's yeah. not going to be anybody. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, like, TJ Guy is the one who – I mean, we've seen him dip his shoulder around the yeah, edge he, as well. Yeah, he's a guy who I think will be a, a, a solid – you know, twenty to thirty percent of the real snaps weeks I'd add, and just a, a terror for us to talk about on podcasts every week. <laughs> like, guy is just a—he's just such a guy. We'll just, just call him guy. TJ, and then sometimes yeah. we'll be like, we're Teach. just going to call him TJ Dude. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm going to save that one. Oh no, that no, should have kept that in the pocket. The, U, the UFRs are are prepared. <sighs> like the that uh, that button is already ready to go. All right, but, but I was going to talk about the defensive tackles. We can talk. We can. Well, I, I want to talk about the defensive tackles. I, we, 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 we don't, you don't want to talk about the depth at edge. No. Okay. Wait. Before you do that, Seth, who would be the hypothetical fifth edge? While Brian, can you mute Brian here because he's about his <laughs> he's head's gonna, about to shoot he's off his body. Die. In your he's, in your opinion, right here, <laughs> it's, 
Kashawn Bennett, okay. or maybe Chibi and Luna, who's a like a walk on with a story that they've been, ah. been developing. Okay, so we're probably looking. Or, or you might see some like freshmen, like let's bring him in just a pass rush from Ludo, uh, Lugard Edopeye. Okay, because okay, can Brian just pronounce his name? He's yeah. the, he's the Uche of the class. Okay, all right, all right. Now you can go, Brian. Defensive tackle, <laughs> Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant as true juniors. Mason Graham. <laughs> giggity, giggity, giggity. Mason Graham. I mean, they. Mason Graham was already the best defensive tackle in the country. Yes, except for maybe the two guys at Texas. And the one dude and those guys are gone. Had a combine. Yeah. I he will be the best defensive tackle in America. I am the only Michigan fan who was kind of mad when they heard that Will Johnson is going to be the highest rated player in the new NCAA game because I think Mason Graham should be ranked higher. He, he should. should be a ninety nine on next year's team. He should be the cover athlete. He should be the Heisman candidate. This is a guy who scooped, who caused, and then scooped up a fumble while his hand was in a cast. Well, I mean, just his ability to crush a very good Washington defensive line. Offensive line. Offensive line, thank you. Um, just down to down. You yeah. Know, those guys came in and they were the Joe Moore Award winners. And every single one of them, except one of the guards, was like an awesome pass protector according to Pro Football Focus. And they got wrecked yeah. by a four-man rush most of the time. And so there is no way to block him. You can put two guys on him. He's still going to squirm his way through there. And then... When he gets in the backfield, he's so agile. Mm-hmm. And so, like, every quarterback thinks, like, I'm going to escape. And all of a sudden. Like, he's Mohurst slash Mike Martin, except better. Yeah. Well, he was, I mean, that was his play on the on the overtime series in the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah. Where he gets the big TFL that sets up. Well, so Michigan sets that up because they've got that slot blitz coming. And so he's able to, like, go. But being able to go and going are two different, are two yeah. different things. Um, and then the other guy is going to be Kenneth Grant. Who <laughs> just I, picks off passes? So I uh, I was just scrolling Twitter and I was like, oh, this is a YouTube video, and it's like, oh, <laughs> we're going to talk about Kenneth Grant, and these guys are obviously Tennessee high school coaches because they talked about two Kenneth Grant plays for 26 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and they were Kenneth Grant running down uh, the Penn State running back, Katron Allen, yeah. Katron Allen, and the sack in the uh, in the championship in the championship game. game, and I mean. Everybody expects that he will be maybe not quite as good as Mason Graham, but in the ballpark. Who has the higher ceiling? Graham. Graham has a higher ceiling than Grant? I mean, Graham could have a sue year. I mean, he is that. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 I, Graham's a little weird because like the, the people talk about his ceiling because his arm length isn't ideal. Okay. And Kenneth Grant is like, how the hell did you create somebody who moves like a linebacker at 320 pounds? 50. 350 pounds and like but yeah. i feel like if there's a question on this team it's like can kenneth grant be a down in down like is he gonna be what mike on when you well like and on when you sort of struggled to play every I, down early in his career i'm not sure i agree with that that was a chris ballas take that i was always <laughs> just like angry about i was like i was really gotta i'm like he's already one of the best offensive linemen in the big 10 yeah but we're not talking about his 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 Ability. It was his. Well, so one thing that Grant had the luxury of last year was he was on a defensive line that rotated five guys. And so he was always in the middle of drives, completely fresh when he was yeah. doing his yeah. stuff. And I, I wonder 
Like if he gets to snap 50, is he going to lose effect of this? I don't wonder that about Mason Graham. Right. Oh, yeah. Mason Graham was flying up recruiting boards because he was playing both ways. And, in, and, in, and then in, said in he was ready game. to play another game afterwards. <laughs> right. So like if there's, a, if there's a guy who I could, could believe can just be an Iron Man and get 80% of the defensive tackle snaps, it's Graham. And I – not sure Grant is going to be able to do that. Well, no one at 350 pounds can do right. that. So that means that the depth at defensive tackle is going to be pretty important. And the good news for Michigan is that they do get Rayshon Benny back. Mm-hmm. And Benny <clears throat> had a very productive uh, 2022. Uh-huh. And then he was a little bit iffy early this year. He kind of came on late and then he got hurt in the Rose Bowl. He had two awful plays before getting hurt in the Rose Bowl. I don't know what was going on there. But, well, you yeah. know, he's a guy who's who is a big recruit. Is also entering. Um, he's going to be year four, right? Because he's a yeah. He's, a, he's, he's a 21. Junior, 21 yeah. was his freshman. He's a redshirt yeah. junior. So he's a guy who you sh- would expect will be a good rotation piece. And then you want a fourth guy. And isn't it Pierce? Probably. Yeah. Because I, I mean, people are kind of talking him up a little bit in the same way that you know. I, I mean, know. Pierce. I, no one's good as a true freshman, and Pierce graded out fine. And with the garbage time that I had for him, which doesn't tell you anything, like hey, Michigan State, like their right. offensive line is not going to tell you anything. I think it says but, a little bit of something. Like, but like, yeah, he was in there. He looked fine. His recruiting profile is exactly what you want to see. Like he was one of those guys that Wisconsin would always get and be like, hey, we're going to insert him at nose tackle as a true freshman. Right. He's going to be great for four years. Yeah, he's. Pierce is the next guy. So, guys. so is Pierce more of a backup to Grant? Grant yeah, he, okay. uh, yeah. I would put like Graham, Grant, and Pierce as like the the DT. I mean, this is this is Benny the spot. is like Jenkins is next guy. This is the spot where I thought they should have got one of those Ivy guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did they, did they just not or like I mean like Slackman? I think Slackman actually took a visit, but I, I mean that was when Harbaugh was doing his departure stuff, so it was just difficult. I think for Michigan to get a lot of traction there, but Thor Griffith was like, "I want to go to Ohio State or Michigan." He ends up at Louisville, and I'm just kind of like, uh, uh, even yeah. if he's like, like he, his PFF grades are crazy. He was a freak on the freaks list. Like maybe that's all overblown, but I'm gonna take that guy. Yeah, is it, like is worst it, case scenario, he's a rotation defensive tackle who's not quite as good as I wanted him to be. Is yeah. it weird that he didn't go to either place? Like, would you? I mean, if he went to Ohio State, you'd kind of be like, "Come on," but. If he didn't go to Michigan or Ohio State, is there also a reason that he had to go to Louisville? I mean, uh, he's not going to start at either of those places. Yeah. Like, Ohio State is pretty stacked on def- that defensive tackle, too. So It like, just seems like when you say he, that, you're not thinking, oh, I'm going to walk in and start on the defending national champions. Well, I mean, it's a spot where you're going to see a lot of rotation. You're going to get snaps. Right. But maybe if he wants to establish himself as an NFL player, he wants yeah. – 80% of the snaps. I mean, the, the question, does he want Cam Good's job or does he want Chris Jenkins's job? Because Jenkins's job is probably going to Benny and you roll out everybody else in the same roles they had before. But then you just need a Cam Good. I think you probably have that in Pierce. And there you go. Well, they went five deep last year and they're going to be four tops this year. So that's like yeah. a minor concern. So far. I mean, you know, I mean, we'll Chris see how Jenkins Cam, was getting like Cam's 36 going. snaps a game. You could have gotten more if you wanted to. Well, yeah, but, but what, I'm, what I'm saying is that like in any other context, except from last year, we'd be looking at the defensive line being like, this is awesome. Yeah. And now we're like, this is awesome. But I'm a little bit concerned. Who's going to replace Rashawn Benny? Who's on our third pair of? <laughs> we had Rashawn Benny last year for this role, and now we don't have. And now what do we have? Ike Wuna, who's a redshirt senior now, yeah, and he's, yeah, that's, not that's late, early. David Pali Pali, like that. 
yeah. true freshman coming in and might do something. But like that's that's where you at, are right now. They could use one more guy, especially if they take an injury or something or like. Well, let's not speak that into existence. Yeah. So defensive line looks. The starters should be the best defensive line in America. I don't think that there's a whole lot of controversy about that. It should be really good. Yeah. All right. Linebacker is a little bit more up in the air, so Michigan loses both Barrett and Colson. They have Ernest Hausman, who played a reasonable number of snaps in a rotation role last year. They have Jimmy Rolder, uh, who got a red shirt this year, came in for two snaps against Ohio State that went very pad- badly, um, but looked like a player as a true So he freshman. did officially red shirt. Yes, he red yeah. shirted. Okay. Yeah, so he- they got the red shirt on him, and they were like, okay, you secured the red shirt, so now we can play you against – Ohio State a little bit, and that, that was like, maybe. but maybe just a little bit further into the red shirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like I think it speaks well to what they think of Roller that they were like, okay, you got your red shirt, we can insert you in the Ohio State game, but he hadn't been playing all year, so yeah. of course he's like caught off guard. And, and well, it was this, and it was the same exact play that Barrett almost got an interception on. So like, well, they it, plays it like, yeah. In any case, yeah. The uh, I'm not going to hold those two plays against him. He he played as a true freshman. He was clearly being groomed to step into the starting lineup as a true sophomore and then, you know, Barrett blows up and he comes back and you're like, okay, well, now we can get you your red shirt. I think the pattern of his career at Michigan speaks well to his future. Yeah. And then they bring in Jayshon Barham from Maryland. Yeah. Who uh great run stuffer, like all Maryland linebackers had awful coverage grades according to Pro Football Focus. Um <clears throat> maybe a guy we should talk to Alex about. Well I mean, we've seen him play enough. He was a he's a five star. He runs like a five star. Was he? Yeah, yeah. He was. A, I thought he was a top one hundred kid. I I mean, he was. I have him in a four point three three in my star rankings. Which That's is not like, five. All right. What's yeah? That's like top one hundred. Can you round that up to five? It's, well, you can. It's just being correct. You're incorrect. That's what Dave says. <laughs> well, I also okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so top 100 kid. Top 100 kid, It's pretty close. We don't need to, like, pick nits here. No, because you got to make a distinction between Jabril Peppers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Like, that's different. Yeah. All right. 4.5 star. No. (laughs) You can round that up to 4.5 star. That's okay. Yeah. (sighs) Fine. 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 I mean, he's not your standard four star. He's not Ben Gideon, all right? Yeah, he's a top 100 kid. top 100 kid. And he moves like one. And Maryland's linebacker core was, like – Barham's doing things fine, and everybody else is miserable. Well, also, like, he's not sitting behind Michigan's defensive line right there. Right. So, like, if he's reacting to play action, and that's one of the reasons that his his uh, coverage score is not great, well, he's not going to have to be firing heavy down against the run with this defense. So I think that he's got a lot of upside. And and Alex didn't necessarily agree with PFF's take on cover. Their their coverage for linebackers was always a little weird. I it was hard to tell. Well, linebacker play is hard to suss out sometimes. Yes, <laughs> like there's there's a you lot. don't know what everyone's responsibilities are, and especially at Michigan where they're going to run some exotic stuff. And it's, and I, yeah, there yeah. there are definitely points in Pro Football Focus where I think their approach of charting everything very quickly means that their fidelity. Is not great, and that's yeah. run blocking on the offensive line, and I think linebacker coverage because yeah. that's just hard. Like, how many times would we look up a play and it's like, well, this looks like oh, oh, I think that's Colson, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't know if PFF is looking at it in quite that amount of depth. Right, um, they're not trying to figure out every coverage because they just don't have time. Yeah, and 
it's it's hard for it's hard playing linebacker too. So Michigan's coverage is not it's not going to be easier to play in Michigan system than it is in Maryland system. But if there's a guy who was in the Big Ten last year who could slot into Michigan system and perform close to as well as one of the guys that they had last year, it's probably Barham. And like if he can replace Colson, that's huge. Well, so I between Hausman, Rolder, and Barham, we didn't, we didn't even mention Hausman yet. Yeah, we did. Yeah, no. um, I think you've got uh, the makings of a very solid linebacker core. My concern relative to last year is that you had Mike Barrett yeah. and you had Colson. And when Colson got it right, he was really like. Oh, and he's one of the best tacklers we've ever charted. Tackling in space, yeah. incredible. And that's because those guys could move. You know, Barrett's a converted Viper, he's always very good in space. There was a near interception against Ohio State. His ability to cover tight ends, guys out of the backfield. If there's a step back from this linebacker core, I think it'll be there. Because yeah. you haven't established that any of those guys are at that level. Well, they're just not probably going to get that same production like you were saying. Like that's, I mean, is that the best line, mean, linebacker land, linebacker duo Michigan's had since? I, I mean, you got to ask him. He's the one who tried to. Okay, I, but they like, were the, they were. I mean, it's Devin Bush and anybody, but like okay, yeah. but when you're when you're talking about. <laughs> But the two uh, Gretzky's Bush, are the best. Devin Bush played in a different defense. Yeah. And Michigan made things really hard on their linebackers, especially Colson. And one of the things that they were doing was making him play a, like a slot receiver. So he would have to get out on a lot of those um, – the way that – they would want to keep their safeties high so that they it, they wouldn't have the safeties kind of jump down when it looked like it was going to be a screen and then have something thrown over their heads. So they would just have Colson run out there so the safeties could stay high. That's asking your middle linebacker to cover a slot receiver or cover a running back in the slot. Most guys are just physically not going to be able to do that. Yeah. And that was something they got away with with Colson all year long. If they could do that, with, what I was saying with Barham, if he's got the athleticism and the speed to do that, let's go. That's a that that's something that they could get away with last year that they, they no team should be allowed to do. But we saw Houseman get out into the flat a few times too. Houseman has that. Yeah, Houseman can do that. Maybe not to the degree as Colson. Colson was well, th- and that's kind of my point. Is but, like, but Barrett was also a guy who moved way faster than a linebacker should be able to, and he was he could play safety. He could go and take a safety role on a play, and you could be like, he's gonna be fine. Like how many? Wide receiver screens did Washington run against Michigan, and how many of them worked? Like a couple on their first drive. There was a couple drives where they got a, a few little. Yeah, but mostly because of, most because someone got held on the edge for like a little bit, or like Keon Sab missed a tackle. Like that yeah. was that but, was what was happening. But that was like a thing that they went gangbusters against against uh, wa- um, Texas. Texas. I'm yeah. sorry, uh, and you know Michigan was able to keep their edges clean virtually the whole year, and that was you know I think. That's the thing that we'll see if Michigan can continue to do that with the new linebacker core. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk about the secondary and sort of overall. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash blog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, 
We only had one Big Ten loss, and honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog today. Amazing Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co-founded Autograph with one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines, all for doing the things you already do, like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. Now that the temperatures are dropping in Michigan, you can count on our vast network of service technicians to keep your heating system up and running. We offer 24-7 emergency service and have advanced scouting on all makes and models. So if you find yourself without heat or hot water or want a free estimate on a new system, call or text us at 734-238-3698 or book an appointment at SharonsHeating.com. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Jason, I need takes hotter than J.J. McCarthy's draft stock. 
<laughs> yes. Seth, give me your hottest take. Meet your savior of college football, Nick Saban. Oh, okay. What? Saban. Okay. All right. Saban, now that he is retired, he doesn't have to like say everything just to try to make Alabama better. So what's he doing? He's talking about how like they've gotten they've let NIL completely ruin what college football is supposed to be. And he was talking to people. He, I, I have the actual quote. I think the consequence of this should come down the road. Some of these guys get 29 and 28 years old. Maybe they didn't prepare themselves for when they can't play football anymore, which is what you should mm-hmm. do when you go to college and what colleges have to offer. What he's talking about there is exactly what we've been talking about, that the yeah. most valuable thing that colleges have to offer, which they could offer at the best price of anybody, is a college education, which they are undermining with a system where everybody is just chasing dollars to the next school. And, like, Saban's talking about this stuff intelligently when nobody else is. Maybe he's the guy. I think they should. I agree with you. Nick Saban is speaking truth, but I think Nick Saban, someone should give him like two white claws before he talks every time. Well, the thing is, uh, Saban stopped drinking when he had kids because he's like, I don't want to be a bad example for these people. And you know what? That's the kind of guy who I want in charge of college football. Yeah. He's like, or or this is the guy I want to start drinking again. (laughs) No, come on. I mean, he was calls his wife Miss Terry. I, like he I, does I, I, I did not like him in charge of an SEC program. I he's thought that fine. was just a, that was a bad combination for everybody else. Well, it was bad for yeah, he was bad for college football if you wanted to win a national title. But hey, yeah, we but, did that anyway. But well, and he was going to do whatever was best for Alabama. But now that he's got, if you make him the commissioner of the NCAA, he's going to do whatever's best for college football. Yeah, and he will go all out. He will cheat. He will screw over Congress. He will. He will do everything it takes. Uh, well, he's not gonna. Uh, anyway, yeah. Jason, give me your hottest take. Blake Corum is gonna do everything that Donovan Edwards said he was gonna do in his career. Okay. So remember when Donovan Edwards said he's gonna be the next Walter Payton? Yes. I don't know if Blake Corum is gonna be the next Walter Payton, but I think Blake Corum may be the next Maurice Jones Drew. Uh, I, I was watching his combine and the way he moved at the combine, who he was. And I think, I think he's going to be better than I think a lot of people think he's going to be. And I don't know if, if Harbaugh picks him up. I don't know if he goes, if one of the Harbaugh's pick him up or another coach who came from Michigan, who has a team, someone's got to believe in him. He's got to go to a system where they need a running back. And he, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. All right. I mean, he's not really regarded as a high pick right now, so I think that's a, that is I know. a decent hot take. Like, if he goes in the second round, people are going, like, that's way overdrafted. I don't think it is. Well, I, mean, I don't think so. I don't either. Because no one wants to draft running backs anymore, so, like, that gets into that whole conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Randy, give me your hottest take. Should I wait for 8,000 carts to go behind me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here you go. Okay. I hope J.J. McCarthy is the fifth quarterback taken off the board okay i'm with him on this because i what i because i love this kid so much and what i want is for him to go to a team that has already an established quarterback that's on their way out i i want him to go and seth you and i were talking about this the other day yesterday about 
how we want him to go somewhere that has a good offensive line. I want this guy to walk, step into a system where he can succeed. I want him to CJ Stroud the situation. I do not want him to be the savior because I think he's every bit as good as Drake May. I think he's every bit as good as Caleb Williams. I think he could be the number one guy off the board. I'm talking like Harbaugh now, but I'm just saying like he needs to go late in the first round so he can go to a team where he can have success, not next year, but the year after that. Well, I don't think late late in the first round is happening anymore. People are talking about him like a top ten. I know, I know. I just put it out there. I mean, you hit so many examples of quarterbacks who slip later in the first round and then have great careers, or slip to the seventh round in one case. Six, six. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and like end up at a you know an NFL franchise that was making Drew Bledsoe look good because their offensive line was so strong. So like and. You know, would Aaron Rodgers be as good as he is if he didn't get to like inherit the Packers and their offensive line and that whole system that was already like set up for him and get to wait years behind Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, look at him on the Jets. So, okay, if I want him on the Jets, it would be it it would be amazing (laughs) if he was on the Jets. Could learn from Aaron Rodgers for a year Mm. or two and then take over the reins. How cool would that be? He'd be like, don't take try ayahuasca. (laughs) He could he could try ayahuasca. Let him do it. Let the kid try ayahuasca, goddammit. <laughs> All right, here's mine. There will never be a 12-team playoff. What? You think they're going to 14 or 16 already? Yes. Already they're all like, all right, the SEC and Big Ten are like, all right, we're going to 14-team playoff. We got auto bids. We got multiple auto bids per conference. How we are we S- part of this? It's how so we, bad. How are we part of this? Like, like it when makes I'm in, no sense. Like when we're like we are on. I'm on Twitter and people are like, "This is your fault." And I'm like, "Michigan has nothing." Do you think Michigan is controlling what Tony Petiti says? Do you think yeah, I'm controlling yeah, what Michigan no. tells Tony Petiti to say? But at this point, why why even bother with 12? Let's just go right to 14 because it's like that's an extra game for money. Go to 64. That's even more games for okay, yeah. money. Can I? Can I make a hot take off of Brian's hot take? Sure. Yes. Okay, here's my hot take. Uh, Next year's college football playoff will be as valuable as the NBA in-season tournament. (laughs) (laughs) That's essentially where it's going, right? It's going to this thing that doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, we won. Let's just tell everybody and anybody who, like, beats us this year, we won the last important college football championship. We did it. CFP, we won the last. What they should do is have uh, is is do like they do in uh in, in European soccer where they just have all these tournaments. Just do like you know yeah. let's have well, yeah. let's have a four team playoff and then let's have a twelve team playoff. Let's do a sixteen. Let's do F- one in Cup. the middle of October. All right. If you can't get yep. enough Sklars, hit up supersklars.com to find out their touring schedule. Also, if you can't get enough of Sklars talking about things, you can listen to their podcast, Dumb People Town. Thank Absolutely. you, Andy, for the cheap and, seats. We love you guys. And, thank you. And thank you. And thank you to all of the amazing MGO blog listeners and blog readers who came out and saw us do shows in Detroit and Royal Oak this past weekend. You guys are amazing. You have the best fans out there, the smartest, most fun, best audiences for but Here's, comedy, here's, so here's my two guys. favorite two favorite MGO blog moments of the whole weekend. Number one, after the show, hanging out in the club with Brian and our all of our cousins and just like hanging out with Brian and Amy and all of our cousins and just hanging out. That was fun. Number two, having a merch table outside where we're selling merch. And then there was a separate table where people were just MGO blog listeners were approaching Seth after a show. <laughs> he had his own table. 
<laughs> he didn't perform. I should have brought merch. It was <laughs> should have had like a hail the victors there or something. Be like, <laughs> you should have. You should have. Anyway, I love you guys. Love both you for coming and all the MGO blog people for coming. You guys are the best. All right. Well, thank you guys. Thanks, guys. Oh. All right. The secondary. Well, you've got Will Johnson, who's going to be the highest rated player in the new NCAA game. And who am I to argue with that? What do you think about that, Seth? I was going to make him. I was gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna edit my players anyway. So. <laughs> Mason Graham, in the only <laughs> roster version you should be using, which is the Seth's rosters, will be the number one player. But uh, from Michigan's perspective, you're more or less expecting Charles Woodson. You know, they could use a tall receiver. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, Samaj Morgan gets to return the kicks, so we're not going to have 1997. Yeah, yeah. But, but like in terms of like his level of play, like. He's already at that level, so he'll just continue to do that. He could moonlight for a few snaps. And he could actually make money off of the covers 80% of the Earth t-shirts. Uh, and safety looks stacked. You have Rod Moore and Makari Page back. There's rumors that Michigan is working to get Quentin Johnson back, which would be welcome depth. Um, yep. And and they have Zeke Barry. They have guys coming up. Yeah, Zeke Barry and Brandon Hillman. Hillman is someone to watch because... He was a quarterback and running back in high school, and if they, you know, it, it's not, it can't happen right away, right? He can't, and he they played him a little bit last year, and he looked lost. He also looked really fast, really athletic. Well, those like, guys will be for down the road because I think you're going to see more. And but that's age. what you yeah. want for a guy like that is having a couple years to just sit and learn. I mean, he might be like the like this year's Keon Sab, where like they let him play a little bit. He'll make a mistake against Indiana that like. People only care about because you want to shut out Indiana, and then you'll be and then like then all of a sudden he starts coming on because safety is just one of those jobs. Linebacker too is like the more time you're on the field, the better you get at it because you got to see it. Well, but and have it happen for to you. The actual starters you're talking about guys who are going to be in their fourth year. Yes, starting together. More or yes. less. Akari Page actually started a game in 2020. He started as a true freshman. Uh, yeah. And, and Rod Minnesota. Moore started as a true freshman against Ohio State. In yes. A game that right. turned everything around, and it was completely fine. Right? Yeah. And we kind of, like, w- wondered about those guys somewhat this year because Moore was hurt. He comes back. He misses that tackle at Rutgers. But by the end of the year, they are absolutely dominating two of the best passing games in America. Yes. Three of the best passing yeah. games in America. Yeah. By the way, <sighs> had they not pressured – uh, Ohio State quarterback Moore was going to intercept yeah, that ball. Yeah, that's what anyway. I think too. Yeah, like I, th- I think that um, Rod Moore was probably a little bit irritated. <laughs> He's like, now this looks like Jalen Harold did it. <laughs> um, but but like oh, but the the importance of that of them being seniors cannot be overstated, right? Because you've got those three pieces that are going to be excellent, and then you have the two big question marks on the defense, and they are once again the second cornerback. Uh, and then nickel, and I wouldn't say nickel was a question mark. No, no, no. Year, I mean, the second yeah. quarterback was a question mark next year. Yeah, and then nickel, uh, a potentially devastating loss because for everything everyone has said about Mike Sanders, still, I think it's possible that we are still severely underrating him as like the glue. It is. It is impossible. To properly rate Sam Ristil. Right. There, there's no way that, like, he, he's just going to defy. You can't you can't replace that. Like, that's yeah. just not – you get those guys every so often if you're lucky. And when they're out, you don't just have a replacement for no, them. No. That's not how it works. But Michigan does not have, like, an obvious 
replacement that they're talking about and the way they were talking about Mike Sane or still Unless you ask Mike Sane or still. Yes. Well, that was. But, but <laughs> this is. I love Mike Sane. <laughs> but the vibes from within the program aren't the same as the vibes were when Mike Sane still moved to nickel. Right? I know. Because I remember in the yeah. season preview, I was like, Mike Sane still is going to be draftable after this season. And that because and usually you switch positions and you're locked in as a starter. That's a panic point. Yeah. But the talk around the program was so positive about Saint Russell that I'm like, it's fine. And we don't have that about Jane McBurrows. Yeah. Who Saint Russell talked up after the state game. Um. But it's not a terrible situation. McBurrows has seen some time on the field. He's looked pretty respectable. He's a guy who Michigan has been talking up since he arrived. He's yeah. had to struggle through some injuries. He's a guy who you can project into that spot and be like, he's gonna be pretty good. Yeah. Now, pretty good is not Mike Sainer still. No, but if- and I'm just like, we got a new defensive coordinator. We were so on top of everything. We were like, we were switching coverages. Mike Sainer still is pointing at everything. Okay, okay. No one's going to be Mike Sainer still. He's, so, so who's going to do the pointing? So this is another one of those situations where like our our defensive tackles are not going to be like last year. <sighs> But they're going to be the best in the country. It's still going to be the best secondary in the country. Keon Sab had to transfer for playing time out of the secondary. He did to Alabama. <laughs> in his mind. And, and he would know as well as anybody. He was like, I'm not going to get enough snaps with these guys he out was, there. But let's he not, was. Well. But, like, but one of the reasons we thought he was because they could move Rod Moore down to nickel yeah. and have him play the same restore role. And that would have been I, – I would have been – in favor of that. And it's possible that they bring Quentin Johnson back. Yeah. And they're like, all right, we're going to roll this Rod Moore nickel package out and see how it does. Yeah. Because um, – and then the second cornerback slot, Cam Calhoun is out of here. So is Moran Walker. So it really seems to come down to D.J. Waller and J.R. Hill. Yeah. Who uh, – weren't, weren't you saying that Sam was kind of – Sam says J.R. Hill is going to be a first rounder. Yeah. Or he Sam has that kind of talent. very high on Hill. And – you can see it. Like you can see it on his film. He was hurt a lot. He last was hurt year. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But but Waller got first half snaps. Yeah. <laughs> and he's big, rangy guy. Like I feel like the question there is again going to be the same question as the Saint Russell question, right? Yeah. Because Michigan brought in Josh Wallace, who had something like twenty four hundred college snaps before he came to Michigan, and whoever you're inserting at that second corner spot is going to be the least experienced guy on the defense. Yeah, but you're talking about a young David Long and young Jeremy Clark. Like, yeah, that's like, what I was like put those like those guys both. DJ Waller, the fact that he was able to stick at corner. Now he had a little bit of problem like finding the ball in the air, but I think that's a te- more teachable thing. Yeah, no, he's he I said looks, that for Jamon Green's entire career, but I still think it's a teachable. He looked, thing. Well, you say for Channing Stribling too. Well, but people were saying that about Jordan Lewis after his freshman year too, because yeah. yeah. he was constantly getting dunked on. He was also a little bit shorter. Well, he, he would he'd be in perfect position, and the ball would go like an inch over his outstretched hand. And I was like, <clears throat> this is not going to continue happening. Yeah. Except against Florida State. We have, we have a highly populated Why? gypsy. <laughs> Why, Dave? <laughs> we have a highly populated apologize to the gypsy yes, cornerbacks tag, tag from that, <clears throat> that that era. You done, you done messed up with uh, disrespecting the Romani people. Yeah. Cornerbacks. Anyway, so – you're right. We have to take this in context, right? We're talking about a generational defense. You know, according to SP Plus, it was the second best defense of this millennium, second only to that Georgia defense. Twenty-one with everybody with the know, Philadelphia Eagles. With the Philadelphia, it. yeah, the, the Philadelphia the Eagles, Eagles in college. Yeah, um, 
that was the second best defense according to SP Plus, and they proved it at the end of the year. I mean, it wasn't just playing tomato cans the whole year. So, would you be surprised if they went in the post spring portal and tried to find the next Josh Wallace? Not at all. Not <sighs> at all. I mean, because they they need just bodies. Because the next guy we haven't talked about is Kashawn Harris, who they still have to. I don't even know if he's going to come back for a sixth year. And he's they, a. I mean, he's a guy who got some time at the beginning. At the of beginning, last year, yeah. Just kind of like I don't feel this, no. right? They move Christian Dixon over to cornerback, and that's like <laughs> that's a guy who hasn't seen the field in however long he's been here. He's a, he's a senior. He's a fourth year guy. Miles Pollard, you've not seen any. Basically, he's probably too he's, slow to play. He's like rotated in at times, but yeah. Um, yeah, and these, these and are then spots. you got the freshman coming in because I think you lost. Oh no, we have that. They uh, Cody Jones. I blanked on his name for a second. He's another guy who, like, every moment we've seen him, it's like that's not happening. So yeah, I mean, I think you're really banking on Hill. You hope so. I mean, yeah. that's that's the guy. Who I mean, to, to get a stranglehold. And do you, I mean, like the Walker thing was a little interesting to me because like they moved him over because they wanted him to be probably corner number two last year didn't work out as fast as they wanted that was what probably triggered the wallace uh acquisition and so then but then walker bails so is he thinking "Uh oh i'm not gonna beat out he sees hill and waller or like is he just chasing money to Ole miss like what yeah i think that's part of it like i think that he's not sure that he's gonna have a prominent role on this team and if Ole Miss comes in and is like, we got this bag, and Michigan's bag is for, like, Mason Graham. Yeah. Like, they're going to be like, all right, we, we can't match this because we got to spend uh, our money on the best players in America and not, like, a developmental guy. Do you, do you kind of wish they wouldn't have moved him? Yeah. 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 I they I mean when you remember the depth chart last yeah, year but at, no, I at the time yeah, it's yeah. like we need every single bullet we have at the yeah. second cornerback spot because yeah. it's the only thing that looks like a problem. But yeah. they could have moved him back. We'd already they by that point we'd already looked too. at the UMass roster and not really thought Josh Wallace was going to be coming over or being what he was. Like that I mean I if mean, you could find another guy like that in the portal, but like that was a find. Yeah. But yeah. He, the weird thing to me was that he didn't show up until he didn't like June, right? Yeah, but he was I mean, you know, that was the Mike. That was the other Saner still thing. He's like, okay, I'm uh, Mike Saner still. Josh Wallace. I'm going to teach you this whole defense in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, future head coach of the University of Michigan, Mike Saner still, is uh, going to be a loss. But again, we're going to talk about this in context. If you look at the defensive line, the other three guys in the secondary, the linebackers, the relative weak spots on this defense are relative. Yeah, this looks like one of the best defenses in America. Probably not a generational defense like last year's was, but not that far away. I mean, it's it's the it's the Georgia defense after the after the, some of them became Philadelphia, uh, right? The twenty twenty two defense, yeah. That also won the national title and didn't lose a game, yeah. yeah. And okay, sign me up. Done. You've sold me. Well, they they were <laughs> returning their quarterback. Yes, I'm I'm aware they also had an A plus offense. Yeah. So, but for coaching, we. Wink Martindale has been brought in, and Michigan fans' reaction to this is the funniest reaction to a defensive coordinator of all time. <laughs> all right. Can you be less aggressive? <laughs> Can you just dial it back a little bit? You need to but calm down. But he probably down. will be. The, I mean, <laughs> You're there's, being too there's, loud. There's literally <laughs> too loud. Literally, this Taylor has Smith never right happened in, in, in football before. <laughs> literally has it, – it has never happened that a defensive coordinator has been hired – and the fans are like, oh, man, I'm worried he's a little too aggressive. 
Even Notre Dame fans, when they got to Nuta, were like, to Nuta! Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's only like two years in that you're like, this guy is too aggressive. Right. Whenever you hire the guy, it's like, oh, this guy's aggressive. And yeah. You're like, oh, man, this guy oh, who blitzes is the, too the much. the guy that Georgia fans still talk about that they have? There was a... Oh, what's his name? No, I don't remember. Yeah. But... But but yeah, there there have been times when fan bases have been wrong about that. Yeah. But there has not been a time when a fan base has been like, we really liked it when we were just kind of not blitzing as yeah. much. Like, <sighs> just pretend sim pressures. So, but sim, sim yeah. Cause, well, Mark, fans are using sim. the word sim. They are. There are. Have you met Michigan our, fans? Our readers are. <laughs> yes. Uh, any case, um, Martindale comes in a very experienced NFL coordinator. We'll see how he meshes with what Michigan was doing last year. I do kind of think that it looks like Jesse Minner is the up-and-comer, the new blood. I think I would rather have him than Wink Martindale. But uh, there are a lot of NFL DCs that we'd rather have than college DCs. That's kind of how it works. Well, but what I'm saying is that you know I feel like it'll be a little bit of a downgrade. Um, because I don't think you're going to hear the same things that you've heard about Michigan secondary this year. Well, it's the price you pay when you win a national title. Yeah, I know. But like you have Marvin Harrison and Jalen McMillan being like, I hated those people. They knew everything we were doing. I hated it. And they were throwing coverages that don't even have names at me. I I was sad. I mean, Juwan Howard looked like a genius for a few years because he had B-Lines players just picking them apart. Like that, there's going to be a a wild E. Coyote Especially with Rod Moore in that second. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a, a like an immediate. And Will Johnson. I don't like, think there's going to be like an immediate drop off. And I do think that Martindale is going to look at this defensive line and be like, "Blitzes, no thanks." Um, so yeah, I mean, talent makes you look like a really smart coach. Yeah, yeah, and then he's gonna he's gonna have like one or two years here, and he's gonna look fantastic, and he's gonna bounce back to the NFL, and that's fine. Yeah, um, the position coaches they picked up, I all like. Yeah. Except the fact that it's the most Alex Drain-ass coaching staff in America now. <laughs> They're all younger than me. They're all younger than Jack Tuttle. Except for uh, – <laughs> They are probably all younger than Jack Tuttle. Except for uh, – uh, what ha- Wink? No, no. How do you pronounce uh, Brian Jean-Marie? Is it Jean-Marie? I think it was Jean-Marie. Jean- right? Yeah, Jean-Marie. Jean-Marie. I don't think – He was already here once. Yeah, he was already here Co- once. They call him Coach BJ, so I'm sticking with that one. But he's he's uh, he's 48, so I appreciate that. Uh, good job. Being older. It's about your age, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, a little bit older. As long as he passed a background check. Because I guess the when we did the first time we hired him, there's been so much more to update. Well, he's been in Tennessee, so all kinds of, <laughs> he could have impregnated a raccoon. We don't know. We got to check. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. i moving right past moving that. Right. But he, he picks up Greg Scruggs from Wisconsin, who uh, was an up-and-comer, was at Louisville with Sharon Moore briefly, a guy who... I, I believe is the right choice. Well, Alex was saying that when Scruggs said he was leaving and coming to Michigan, his like players were all like devastated. So yeah, that's a good yeah, sign. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, Another thing too is that when he was in Cincinnati, he was competing with Michigan for a lot of recruits. That like you know we'd find a Jalen Harrell in Cincinnati, and be like, oh, you can't believe you found that guy. We yeah. had him. So that's I I think that's a. a a guy you know, but also has the profile of a guy who's going to go recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and a guy who was a defensive lineman in college and did very well with that. So I think I think that's a good one. And then the secondary, I think it's notable that the guy that they almost hired and didn't pick off, who is this Texans, uh, Stephen 
At a Goke. At a Goke. Yeah. Who's like. Tw- I can't believe I took Ace's job. I, I was so. I was always terrible at yeah, all right, well, fine. It's well, At a Goke. We all like step it up in different ways. And yeah, you, got, you had to do the Blake Quorum thing. <laughs> you had to, to bulk up to uh, pronunciation. I am levels. now your Mike Hart, Brian. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So they had this guy in the bag, but then the Texans come back and match Michigan's salary, maybe even go over it, and he decides that he's going to stay in the league. Given the context of college football versus the NFL right now, I think that is remarkable that Sharon Moore almost pulled that off. Yeah. Well, and it also tells you the caliber of guy that he's going for that, like, we go after a dude who's, you know, a dude in the NFL already, yeah. even though he's in his 20s and, you know, <laughs> immediately he's like, no, you cannot have him. So he's, so he's looking in the right places. They do pick up Lamar Morgan, who was the defensive coordinator at Louisiana. And a similar profile. This is a, a a situation that you do see fairly commonly now where people will get – they will take a, what is a title downgrade to move up to a major program. Right. I assume that the money won't be much different though. I think the money is probably better at Michigan. Well, right. That's what I mean is like you can go be a DC someplace, get fewer dollars and, and then yeah. go be a safeties or a secondary coach and get an increase if you go to the right program. I mean, every single Michigan defensive coach has either taken a title bump or a bump to the NFL. You do not have the same record with Louisiana defensive coordinators. Yeah. Um, it's a upwardly mobile spot, but so we don't know a ton about him, but we do know that uh, when they were going to hire at that he was another name who's being mentioned as like equally as impressive. And well, and he was the guy that Minter wanted. Yeah. And so, so like, w- one of the things that we wanted them to do at the beginning of this hiring process was go ask Jesse Minter. Yeah. So. And Minter was like, this was my guy. And so I don't think these guys have been fully announced yet because they still have to go through the uh, background checks that have been <laughs> significantly upgraded. But uh, what we wanted after the Wink Martindale hire was that he didn't bring anybody from the NFL with him and that Michigan filled out their staff with guys who are – dogs and are going to get on the trail. And as mentioned, this Alex Drain ass coaching staff looks like it'll do exactly that. So do you think we can hold on to them for more than a couple of years or are they all going to move up in a couple in a I year? I mean, winks out the door, I mean, right? Well, how Link good is, are they? But like, I mean, if they're good, they're going to move up. But I mean, that was the whole Urban Meyer thing is like, I'm going to hire guys who want to be head coaches and then they do well and they progress. That's kind of the way it works. Yeah. I mean, I think these guys are young enough that Michigan will hold on to them for at least a few years. Like, they need to sort of establish some bona fides. Yeah. And not just – because, like, when you get a minter and then he does that with the defense, it's like, okay, you're ready for a promotion now. Yeah. And it feels like, especially the position coaches, are going to have to establish that they're good recruiters and they're doing stuff. I think, you know, like Jean-Marie, Jean-Marie, I'm sorry, uh, is probably here for a long time. Yeah. Because, you know, he's been a linebacker's coach forever. Depending what he wants, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the two young guys, I think, are going to be here three, four years. Yeah. I, at least. Well, and, you know, depending on how long Wink is here, one of those guys could even slide into the D.C. job if they look really, really good. Yeah. I mean, Morgan yeah. was doing it. At yeah. Louisiana. Mor- there you go. Yeah. Morgan basically took the, you know, what Klink was going to have. I mean, that's maybe what he saw is he's like, okay, I'm going to go work for this guy for a year or maybe two. And then I'll We're be like, hey, remember like when geniuses. I did this? I can do this here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whoever coordinates this defense this year is going to look like an amazing, amazing defensive coordinator. Uh-uh. But I just, I think that it was a, um, 
it wasn't an necessarily an asset of Jim Harbaugh's coaching or his tenure that coaches would come here for a couple of years and burn out and want to get that and 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 leave as soon as there was an opportunity that was well. To there's step two up. levels of burnout. There's I have to recruit every single day. I have to recruit my own players every single day, which is affecting all of college football. And then there's a special level of Jim Harbaugh burnout, right? Where it's like I am <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is my boss. I'm burned out. Yes, and I don't think that's going to be the same under Moore. I think that you know he's going to be demanding, but it's a special kind of demanding when it's Harbaugh. I yeah, and that's and that that is a point I want to make though is that Harbaugh had lots of staff changes all the time. Now he, he hired well, so it was okay. But he it was I mean we how many linebackers coaches had the linebackers had, and they're all young, right? And I would like I, it was something that. Michigan had for a long time. Some coaches would just stick around for a long time. Now they got clean skill for a while. Well, he part was able of that make was, a difference. was Partridge left, right? Like he, well, he yeah, was, they he weren't was under to lose Partridge. And well, he, he was the DC at Ole Miss for a while. Yeah, so like right, but he's chasing a promotion, which he which he yeah. gets, and then it doesn't work out so well, and he comes back. I mean, if he doesn't chase that, yeah. then you probably have the same linebackers coach for a long time. I mean, it would be nice now that we've got. That Sharon Moore is probably not going to – like we're not going to play the is Sharon going to the NFL every year, right? Yeah. He is the head coach of Michigan and could be the head coach of Michigan for 30 years. I would like to have some sort of continuity along here. You know, this is one of the the assets that Bo's program had. You knew who you were going to be coached by. That's, Wisconsin had this for a very long time. It's not like it can't happen in college football today. I don't know if I 100% agree with that. I mean, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I just think that – I mean, you look at all those coaches on Bo's staff back in the you know seventies into the eighties, and it was just a very different time. There wasn't the same amount of money. There wasn't always the same amount of <clears throat> values and that kind of thing. And I mean, I think that what Harbaugh did the last couple of years of mostly keeping a lot of the staff together was relatively impressive. And I think they were all here to do one thing, and they did it. And now guys want to do something else. I, I don't. I don't yeah. think. I don't think it's nineteen eighty two anymore. No. But I think – and we don't necessarily have to be the same name in the same role all the time. That's not exactly what I'm talking about. I like that Michigan is on the tip of everyone's tongue at the NFL draft right now because if you go to Michigan, you are going to have a degree from University of Michigan and you are going to be developed for the NFL better than any other school. It's true. And that's what I want, Sharon Moore. I mean, other than, you know, the culture, right, that like these are winning guys, they're, they're good dudes – I want that to continue. And a large part of developing you for the NFL is having NFL-caliber coaches. Now, that's hard to keep when the NFL is competing with you for your coaches. But All right, that's something uh, I'd like to keep going. Let's take a break. Come back, talk some hockey. Jake Butt here, guys, live down from the National Championship Convention Center down in Houston. And we got some big-time news for you guys, Michigan faithful. We need your help to keep our team. Last year, Champion Circle launched the One More Year Fund to support key players coming back, like Blake Corum, Trevor Keegan, and Zach Sinner, who elected to return to Michigan for one more year. Now we're launching the Those Who Stay NIL campaign. Our rivals are coming after many of our key players, trying to induce them to leave Michigan. It's time for the Michigan family to show our players how much we appreciate them and want them back in the maze in blue. To keep the momentum going, head over to Those Who Stay Stay, uofm.com. Again, that is those who stay, uofm.com to support. Go blue. 
In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. Some love deep inside of me No need to lie to me I know you got a guy He's not a guy to me Just say goodbye to him And take a ride to me Ride to me I still got some love deep inside of me Please drag it out of me You just might Just might get that G-Wagon out of me Please drag it out of me Please drag it out Holy gang, petty gang Rich baby daddy gang I'm with red like I'm at a Cincinnati game. Hood, tatter gang, for she tatter name. Rib, held me down for I had a name. Heard this money on my head, what is that to me? I put a hundred bands on him, he put a rack on me. We from two different worlds, but it's a match to me. To bend it over, only time she turn her back on me for real. Bend it. All right, frustrating weekend for Michigan, but chaos on the bubble. So Michigan gets a overtime win on Saturday night. <clears throat> Huff. <laughs> we'll talk about it. And they move up from 14th to 13th. <laughs> 15th, I think it was. But Well, they were 14th in entering the weekend. And they were 15th after Friday's loss. Oh, okay. And they moved up to 13th. So <clears throat> they still have work to do in the Big Ten tournament. But they have a very solid shot at a bit. Like, I believe the pairwise predictor has them at, like, 70% in. Well, the next three or four teams are all, like, within, I, I don't know if it's ten thousands or thousands of, like, points. I mean, it's very, very close. And the three teams ahead of them, I believe it's uh, UMass, Providence, and Colorado College all play good teams. 
So one of them plays BU, one of them plays Denver, one of them plays... I can't and you tell a Michigan head, hockey fan, like, all we have to do is win a series at home against Notre Dame. And everyone's like, <gasps> we haven't done that in a week. <laughs> we did it. We've done it. We've done it. It's, I mean, so, yeah, Michigan yeah. is. That stat was bad stat because Michigan played home and homes against Notre Dame for yeah. a really long time. And I don't know why they stopped. It's perplexing. Yeah, so the pairwise predictor has them at 69% in. <clears throat> so obviously some work to do. They need to. Um, they need to win the series. They need to win the series. And uh, then after that, I think. They could possibly still get in if they get friendly results, even if they lose in the semifinal. Um, I think if they win the semifinal, they're probably in because you're beating most likely a Wisconsin or a Michigan State who are in the top ten. But yeah. uh, it'd be nice to get a win against Michigan State this year. They have one. They have one. Um, but uh, in terms of this weekend, I could not watch the Friday game because I went to the score. Well, you didn't miss a whole lot because they didn't really play hockey. They kind of played in the first period, got a fluke goal, got a very nice goal from Garrett Shifsky, and then took penalties and played out the third period of a 5-2 to two game where they just looked defeated. Well, then they come out the next night and they uh, probably had a bit of a come-to-Jesus conversation after that game. Because <laughs> um, the f- shots in the first period are 14-5 to five, and Michigan yeah. goes up 3 nothing. And in the second period, I think they give up 11 shots about, but they also kill nine minutes of power play time, including a major. Yeah, and there was nothing really threatening on the major. They got no. five shots, but they were all from the outside. They were all unscreened. So they give up those three power play goals on Friday of the second period, and it's kind of like, oh, there goes the penalty kill again. But then Saturday, I mean, that was a clinic. I think I, think I had them at 11 total minutes, and they gave up six shots. And five in a row minutes after losing TJ Hughes, which it was just like that. That exemplified to me some parts of this hockey team of like just situational awareness where you're up three goals in the middle of the second period. You've technically won the game as long as you don't just start hemorrhaging chances and goals. But he checks a guy in the back in a very not dangerous situation. It's, It's a penalty kick when a guy's... It, when a guy is right, facing just, away from the goal but in the box, you're and you're like, he's not going anywhere. He's just battling along the boards. And he just no reason to checks him in the back, and he goes in the boards. And should it have been a penalty? I don't really care if it should have been. It's don't do that. Well, it's at least two. Yeah. And so, but then they kill it off, and they kill it off really well. And West plays pretty well in the in in the first and second period. You made a <laughs> point. <laughs> You made an interesting point in your, uh, which I agreed with in your uh, write-up afterwards, that there was kind of a Hunwick effect going on with West back there. Oh, there definitely was. <laughs> Where it's just like, okay, <laughs> like the back checking that everyone that's, is doing—that's not Barzo, everybody. Yeah. Let's go. Let's, we, let's go, Bill we, out Noah. We're gonna we're gonna have to like play a little bit stronger in the defensive and, zone, and they did. I mean, yeah. it, and you know, it was very weird, like because I was trying to struggle of how I'm going to structure what I'm going to say after the game, and. I just was going through, uh, like, all of the different goals, and I'm like, I don't think anyone is on the defense. And that is not something I really said all year. No, the fifth one was on. Well, but that's Rucker. Yeah. So he's not a defenseman. Well, but. It's, it's, it's so defense. We should talk about the, the third period then, right? So. It's 3 nothing going into the going third three period. 3-0, and then Minnesota scores five goals in the third period, three of which are Horrible on Noah West. Yeah, I mean the the first one is like, it's, I mean it's a really good shot. It's a great shot, but you don't 
you don't want to give up that short side high. I mean, short it's, side high. He, and Noah West isn't tall, so he's not Portillo, who's just going to naturally take up yeah. that space. So you're going to have to defend it, or you're just going to give it to him and say, I dare you to hit it, and he did. But it's just not – from that angle, I mean, he's basically at the bottom of the circle. Yeah. It's a really sharp angle. Yeah, it's not great. And then – The second goal is – The second goal is fine. I don't fine, know. Yeah. What are you, that's hockey. That And the third one is just – so a guy well, just kind of flings it from the side and, and – Barczewski gave that same goal up on Friday. Well, and the thing is like the announcer's like, hey, that kind of reminded me of some goals that Portillo gave up last year. And wow. then he gives up a goal from behind the red line. And I'm just <laughs> like, why did you why did you say that? Well, that one was – that one that one just can't go. <clears throat> like he, he literally shoots it from – you can see the puck is released below the goal line. So it's angling up and away from the yeah. goal line and the net, yeah. and it tucks inside the second or the right pad, and then deflects down and across the goal line. And yeah, I mean it's fluky and it's kind of lucky, but it's just that that just can't happen. I mean, neither of those. The, the and then the, and, and then the fourth one there. is just a, a. I don't even know. Like I don't even know how it went in, but. You, that's one where you watch well, the replay. A, you're not on your post. Like that's what Portillo was doing against Quinnipiac. And it was year. and it was flipped up in the air. It wasn't yeah. like it was hacked out of the air and slammed in. It just kind of bumbled and bounced and like that's I mean in, in that position, you're supposed to be a wall. You gotta cover your post. Well, in and, any then, case, and you and you So yeah. you look at these five goals and then three of them are just like, Well, that's Michigan's starting goalie isn't playing. And Yeah, the the part is is that for two periods he looked very, very good. Well, yeah, but there's – And this is why – I mean I wrote this at the very – you know, at the end of the goaltending section. It's like this is why Michigan went portal shopping for I, goalie. I mean – I didn't think knew. he looked – I mean there were some juicy rebounds. And I mean like the, that, like, like – we, we, Noah yeah. West is not a starting goalie at a team that yes, wants to that's win what the I'm saying. championship. And like you're always like, oh, oh, we screwed all this stuff up and it's so bad. And I just – I'm always like you – know, if Trey Augustine is on this team, is this a one seed? Well, so that's the question is like there is an argument for that. But the problem is also the fact that like – you know, I don't really know how much we want to get into with this because I don't really know and I'm not close enough to the program. I don't talk to the players so you don't get the feel. But there is a definite feel of when things go wrong, they spiral out of control. And we watch the the football team all year and things start to kind of fade a little bit and Mikey gets on a bench and yells at everybody and everybody straightens their stuff out and they go out and clean up and they execute – and this team has a little bit – I mean like like that was the Rucker-McGrory last two minutes, right? Is he gets the good shot from Truscott that hits the pad, puts it in the back of the net off a game when they're just like dying to get to the end of it because it's just we have to just get to the end of the game. And he wins it with three and a half minutes to go. Now you just have to protect. And they do a pretty good job over the next couple minutes. Minnesota pulls the goalie. You're up five to four. And he's in good position on the guy. He just – Channing Stribblings, I guess, and he just phases out, and the guy come and Middlestack comes behind him, and you can see McGordy on the replay where his head hands go to his head, like, "What was I doing?" And that's the exact question. So, like, you you pose that point: Is this a one seed? Well, I don't know because do they even have sort of a championship mentality? Is there I mean, do they fade in these moments where in like that we talk about the basketball team from last year and into this year of like hey, they played really well for 38 minutes and then their head started spinning in a circle and you're not really sure what happened. And that there is a there's an element of that that has happened over the course of this season that we've watched in game after game after game 
that is hard to explain from any one particular aspect. Well, for me, I always explain this by saying that not everything has a reason. Sometimes just weird shit happens. That is true, except when it repeatedly happens in the same situation well, I know, over but, and over and over and over again. You know, we're talking about <clears> – like for me, it's like the goals go in when they go go in and it doesn't really matter when. It's not like – it's a, it's like not as state-based as football where it's like, OK, yeah, you can lean on a team and they'll fall over. But you have – but you watch championship teams in the NHL and stuff and they're really good defensively down the stretch and you know people kind of – kick up their defensive efforts and their uh, positioning to another level and they hold leads. And Michigan does, has not done that at all this year. And that's what makes me a little bit worried of like, it's not just like, well, we'll just kind of skate around and this guy will make a ton of saves. I mean, Vasilevsky, when the lightning were repeating, had really good defensemen around him that didn't give up good chances either. The well, Avs did yeah, the same sort of thing. But this is a college hockey team. But when I'm talking about NHL teams. I'm talking about always the youngest team in the country. But I'm talking about how you win a game. But what we're talking Whatever about level you're at. is the kind of stuff that Michigan is always going to be bad at because they're always going to be the youngest team in America. But they didn't – they weren't like this last year and they weren't like this the year before. They were – I mean they, they – They didn't just seed losses at the well, end of every right, game. Well, all right. So but last year they were the soft – they're in this like freshman, sophomore cycle. Well, no. I mean so the, the, they don't have any freshmen this year. Yeah. They have Shivsky and that's So it. they're actually older than they generally are. Well, but the problem is, is that they lost a bunch of guys and they brought in not enough to replace them. Well, there's there is an element. And there's a of reason that. for that, but and they also have gone out and won games and then given them away repeatedly. Right, but it doesn't matter. Like the goals are scored when they're scored, but it, the thing that matters is the goals are scored. Yeah, I think it's not as clear as you're making it, but well, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, statistically, you're correct, and like the, the hockey guys are always going to think of the thing. Hey, when it's up three nothing, you have to play this way. No, like you you play hockey the same way. Hockey is not a, a game that really shifts that much depending on the score, except for like you know late if you're up four well, you two, activate you can your defenseman, activate and... defenseman or not. But like and those and that creates odd man rushes, right? But this is that's not what's been the problem. It's not like they're creating a bunch of odd man rushes. They just have like little failures here. Like yep. they can't clear the puck. It goes off of somebody's skate I mean, and then someone clear, gets shot. Like, can't clear the puck is such a bullshit criticism. Yeah. Like everybody's like, oh, we didn't clear the puck. Well, sometimes you don't clear the fucking puck. Yeah. Like, so you're right. Sometimes that is correct. You like, are right. It's And it's just like, I mean, it's hockey. So sometimes these things go wrong and then nothing happens because it's hockey. Mm-hmm. And it, so you got to look at like the rates of like, but nobody has these stats. Yeah. Nobody is like not in college hockey. They don't. I mean, so people. <laughs> That's just, the problem. People. Well, just I mean, talk the about, NHL. They finally got them, and it's changed the game. People just talk about vibes and stuff, and there's like no like okay, controlled exits, uncontrolled exits, that kind of stuff. I have no idea like how I should feel because I don't have any statistical backing for like what is this team doing. The most we have is like Corsi, and Corsi is so rough that I don't even care about it. Like it's. Yeah, it's I, just it's just another data point that we have because nobody can get an XG model out that I would love to have, but that's well, XG the way is, that it is. I don't even need XG. I just need some kind of indication about who's controlling play. And well, but happening. part of that is when you take all these things and put them together. Sure, you you kind of come up with. In something. any case, like I I just don't know. I think that going into next weekend, Michigan should be favored to come out of that series. It would be nice if they could win both, and so you don't have a two and one weekend. For pairwise purposes, and instead you have a two and O weekend, yeah. and then you're probably feeling good, not not 
done and great, but you're probably feeling good going I mean, into like going into this year. My, I was like, all right, let's just make the tournament this year. That's that's mm-hmm. the goal. And you have been talking about this team like you're so angry at it all the time. You're, well, like, it, my job is to watch everything that they do. Yes, and, I understand. And to analyze, but like they're not they're not really short of expectation. Like they, uh, I don't know. They are they are in a brutally difficult conference. They are 13th in pairwise right now, and I think they've like I think you can chalk up some of the issues just to bad luck. Like they were plus 11 um, in goal differential going into this series, and they were 10, 10, and two. And like I just have seen like. Wisconsin play and Minnesota play, and I don't think that either of these teams are markedly better than Michigan. No, I don't. I don't know that they have a better goalie. I don't know that they have better defense. I don't know that they have better goal scorers. I don't know that they have a better penalty kill. I don't know that they have better power play. So I'm looking for why does why is this team? Why are some of these teams the more pucks consistent? Go in at the wrong time. Yeah, it's just... it's kind of interesting though that you know every team now has won the Big Ten in the regular season except Michigan. Okay. Well, it's been 10 years, and Michigan has, you know, technically, well, it, generally put out the most talent out of any Big Ten team over the course of the 10 years. It goes back to Michigan being a young team all the time, and young teams make mistakes beginning of the year, and every year they're like chasing, like, oh, man, I, I wish we had that game against Wisconsin back where we were up 3-1 to one in the third, right? Yeah. And, like, that's that's been a thing going back to Mel with this team. And no, it's, it's not going back, back to, to Mel. Red. It goes back to Red. This is yeah. always what Michigan has been. Yeah. Ever since like Brendan Morrison graduated. Yeah, since yeah. it became, you know, people stopped staying 3 and 4 years. Yeah, right? I mean, the difference was a game like Saturday where Michigan was just dominating play. They would maybe get to the fifth or get get to the third with like six goals. And then it's like Okay, what are you going to do, Minnesota? Like, you can score four goals or five goals this period. It's not going to matter because we have just peppered you. And they just don't have the one more guy or something like that. They just, they like. No, they're not the offensive juggernaut that they've been. No. But I don't think that they're that far off either. Well, no, they're not that far off, which is why they're 13th in pairwise. Yeah. Like, they're not a bad team. They're, they're, a frustrating team at yeah. times, or they're... a roller coaster team. But that's the, what it the margin's like. not that big, is what I'm saying. If they had, I I like Barzo just fine. But if they had one of the top goalies in in the league right now, right? You know, or if they, you know, got back Fantilli or something like they that that would be enough. Or if they had Helm all year, right? Like just one well, thing. Well, that's and that's part of the thing is or, like you can look at the roster construction, and they had 14 forwards coming into the year, and you're like. I don't think 14 forwards is enough. And then, you know, they get unlucky with the Drew Skinner situation. They have the Edwards injury. Who didn't play this weekend? Uh-huh. Well, so now you're just getting a lot of you've had Edwards and Luca. You've had Edwards miss half the first season, and then he missed this series. You had Rucker McGordy out for a really long period of time. Yeah. You lose Hallam on an uncalled, obvious major kneeing hit. Fuck this, te- this referee. Yeah, the, re- the refing is, is no one's ever going to defend that. It's just that, like... If you're going to have injuries like that sometimes. No, you're not going to have injuries that take your best player out for two months and your second best defenseman out for half the year. And that's a reason that they didn't win a couple of games in the fall, which would have that's made true. them a attorney lock at this point. Yeah, probably true. So, I mean, against the teams that are, they're competing with right now. Like, you, you're, just, you're just like very frustrated with this team. I'm just like, this is about what I expected before they had some severely bad injury luck. So how should I feel, Brian? You should feel like, ah, that's okay. Okay, I'll work on it. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Got a little fiery in this segment. We're going to wrap it up. 
for listening to the MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak, and somehow I'm the only person who can pronounce someone's name. I got like, the name wrong. It is Lamar Morgan. Lavar Burton. Burton. Lamar, Lamar, no, it, it's oh. Lamar Morgan. You got it right. He was talking about the reading rainbow guy. <laughs> yeah, Lamar Morgan. No, it's a basketball player. Yeah, Lamar Morgan. Laval Blanchard. No, it's Lamar Morgan. I was right. You're torturing poor Seth, Dave. <laughs> you have to stop this. <laughs> then why are you laughing? Well, it's funny. Okay. <laughs>